goal. Century number 10 for Brendan Taylor. He's got the Australian captain. We're talking about Rivada. We're talking about how good he is. And there it is. It's 39th one day international 100. The King gets his crown at the Adelaide Oval. Go on, take it. Deep mid-wigan. Glenn Maxwell celebrates through that call. He cannot believe it in the middle of the ground. Welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast. Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket show with expert analysis by Dean Duplessis. Hello and welcome to the Dean at Stumps podcast with me, Dean Duplessis. It's been a while, but it's great to be back again. And uh, certainly in this part of the world, we are experiencing a, a slight change in the weather. Uh, we even had a little thunderstorm which disrupted the ongoing series between Zimbabwe A and South Africa A. Great to be with you. And uh, without any further ado, let me welcome my guest to this particular podcast He's a man who was known for some very, very aggressive batting in the middle order. He was actually known as a very good finisher. Captain Zimbabwe as well, with a great deal of distinction. And uh, at one stage, was even considered as one of the premier all-rounders in Southern Africa. I am, of course, referring to former Zimbabwe cricketer, Alton Chigumbura. Alti, how are you doing? I'm all right, Dean. How are you? I'm well, my friend. It's, it's, uh, it's good to be with you. It really is. Um, so, playing day is done. What have you been up to with yourself of late? Yeah, I played days uh, over now, um, especially at international level. Uh, I've, I've opened in a, a cricket academy um, that is uh, running now uh, with about three centers that are running. There's Bindura Center, there's Highfield Center, and uh, in town there's Old Ararians where we're conducting our academy. So it's, uh, it's basically from you know grassroots to under 23s. So just making sure that we I try and you know put back what I've what I've learnt over the years of playing cricket and just to help you know those who are pursuing to to take cricket as a career and a, a life changing career. So it's been exciting. I've I've seen some. Uh, talent that is out there that um, uh, I'm happy about and I'm sure there will be one day they will represent our country and you know do better uh, for our nation. I think I think everybody is hoping uh, that we, Zimbabwe would finally be able to unearth a couple of genuine consistently fast bowlers. Uh, is that something that you would like to see? Yeah definitely I think um, looking at our national team uh, there's also, you know, uh, that work to be done uh, behind the scene to, you know, to to produce uh, good all-rounders, good fast bowlers, and good batters. And um, you know, we, we, I, I understand, I know that for a fact we can't go wrong if we start from the grassroots. Mm. Uh, if we catch them young, I'm sure the only thing that will be left is to be consistent and make sure that we, we. We show them the way and uh, work with them to, to become b- better players in the future. Elton, I've asked this question to many people, but I'm going to ask this to you as well. Why do you think over the years Zimbabwe have struggled to find a fast bowler or a group of fast bowlers who can consistently bowl quickly? So at times we've seen bowlers run in and, and bowl very, very quickly, but it's not consistently enough. You know, so at times, if you don't have the skill to be bowling in the mid-130, you know, the skill that accompanies medium-fast bowling, you become cannon fodder. Why do you think Zimbabwe struggle to find somebody who can consistently bowl above that, say, mid-140 kilometer an hour mark? Uh, I think it's it's just a matter of identifying and making sure that we, we guide those uh, potential fast bowlers uh, right through up to when they reach national team. Um, so grassroots is also important to, you know, to play a bigger part in, in, in identifying you know, players that can be able to bowl fast. Uh, and also having just you know, encouraging, because most of the time I know if you're a cricketer, you want to be a batsman, you want to hit the ball. But to also encourage you know, bowlers to have that fun, uh, to be... To, to be a fast bowler in Zimbabwe. I think it's just a matter of you know, encouraging and encouraging more players 
especially who are capable of bowling fast to keep bowling fast and working harder. Um, I'm sure we we'll end up getting more, more, more players, and obviously spreading the game. We we'll also help to to identify and have you know fast bowlers uh, in Zimbabwe, and um, from the academy, I think uh, it's just spreading the game will help us to you know to identify and uh, hopefully produce fast bowlers in the future. I love the word you use, encouragement. So does encouraging bowlers to bowl fast also perhaps maybe mean producing pitchers that would encourage fast bowling as well? Because we don't really have pitchers that, you know, sometimes you get a little bit of movement at Harare Sports Club and, and so on. But I'm, I'm suggesting that maybe we have a few more pitchers that really do encourage bowlers to bend their backs, to run in and to bowl, knowing that they will get rewards for, for bowling quickly and aggressively. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, it will help. Uh, any fast bowler who bowls on a on a fast wicket will be happy. Uh, so I think it's it's also a combination of that also. Uh, but if you look at uh, other countries, they've they have fast bowlers, but not necessarily that the wickets are favorable to the fast bowlers. Like Pakistan, you, know, you tend to play on a flatter wicket, but uh, uh, you find there's, there's always, they always have fast bowlers. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the main emphasis is on just encouraging players or bowlers who want to be specialist bowlers to, to bowl fast and maybe work on you know, getting fitter and stronger so that you know, they can maintain uh, bowling fast. So would you also think that when we use the, the term fit, because fit can be very broadly used. Some people like to refer to being gym fit, mm -hmm. uh, others mentally fit, which is very important as well. Mm -hmm. But what about staying, staying bowling fit? So you look at someone like James Anderson, who's nearly 38 or 39 years old. Dale Stain is another example as well, I suppose. All right, well, he's fine, but um, he's finished, should I say. But, you know, even he has been able to bowl quickly well into his 30s, Glenn McGrath. Well, he wasn't quick, but he certainly was around for a very long time. Courtney Welsh as well, Kirtley Ambrose. And, and I suppose uh, what springs to mind is the way that they stayed bowling fit. So how do you stay bowling fit in, in order to be able to... I mean, Jimmy Anderson is currently playing his 161st test match. Goodness me. Yeah. That, that's, that in itself uh, makes me tired just thinking of it. Yeah, uh Obviously, I think the more you play, the better you, you start to understand your body and the better you, you, you know your, your game well. So uh, I think, you know, in Zimbabwe, the other challenge that we have faced was, is not playing as many games as other teams. Um, but at the same time, um, it's also about maintaining, being professional enough. I think as a bowler, you need to be professional enough that you look after your fitness uh, you know obviously maintaining your body uh, going to the gym um, you know working on specifics so that you don't lose that touch of bowling fast and obviously rest also is important you know as much as we want games uh, you should be also be able to to rest so that your body recovers so uh, when it comes to fast bowling, I think it's just a combination of so many things. So at the end of the day, you just you just need to be professional enough to look after, to take all the boxes uh, when it comes to your to your specific role as a fast bowler. That game time is is just so important as well, LT, isn't it? Because you can talk about being gym fit. That's one thing. And then another one that we refer to as being net fit. So in other words, bowling lots and lots of overs in the nets. But it's a different thing entirely when you get out in the middle and you are actually bowling uh, you know, to somebody on a, on a pitch where there really are three slips, a gully, mid off, mid on, backward point and, and so on and so forth. It's a very big difference to bowling hours and hours in the nets, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, the, the more, I'd rather have more playing games than training uh, because just training, just training, you're not going to you know, get the experience in the long run, just training. But you, when you're playing matches, you, the exp, that's when the experience, mm -hmm. you can't really buy experience from, from just training, but you get the experience by playing. 
getting into different situations so that you learn from from those situations and that will become will make you become a better player so i think it's more about playing uh, yes training is there to just correct your mistakes but if the more we play uh, the better we become as players the better you become as a team and that way you you get to understand the team game and your individual game um, so if you look at a team like india they're always playing all the time and you if you compare the, the amount they they play matches and the amount they train uh, most probably it's almost like 50 50 or more games they play than when they train so it's something that you want to have when you're in a in a team so hopefully you know now with this situation, uh, we keep we keep playing. It's good. It's good that Zimbabwe are playing at the moment with South Africa A, and I hope that you know throughout this year we'll be we'll be able to keep playing, and that way I think you know even the you're motivating the youngsters that will watch the games. Um, you're encouraging those that don't like cricket to love it because it's in their face and they're watching it. So. I hope it carries on you know, this year so that we, you know, we spread the game. Uh, people get to understand and learn from, from also watching. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on selecting an A-side? Uh, because there's so much... Social media can be a very, very nasty place to be on. I, I'm sure you've had a bit of a, a taste of that. I certainly have been on the receiving end, and I'm sure everybody has, uh, of uh, the wrath of the keyboard warriors on the streets of Twitter and everything else. What are your thoughts on the selection criteria of an A side? Because lots of times we see a number of players who have been around in a system for a very, very long time and who haven't necessarily performed as well as they should, but they still find themselves in the A side. Um, probably, I don't know if that's to bring a bit of experience to some of the youngsters, but should an A-side be picked on uh, the future of the country's sport? Or what, what do you believe are the criteria of picking an A-side? It's such a difficult one, isn't it? It is a difficult one, but I think it's just a matter of balancing the two. You go, you're going to need your experience. You're going to need guys who are not firing at the national side to play. And you're also going to need youngsters that haven't, that are coming up to experience uh, A-side games against other nations because it, that's where you can see or judge where you are as a player when it comes to playing international because, yes, it's, uh, there's a, it's a big uh, different playing A-side and, and international but I think it's the closest way of you know, assessing uh, yourself if you're a youngster, where you are, uh, if you want to, to represent your country. So I think it's just in a combination of, of both. Um, it's also a, a good way of someone who's out of form to try and get his form back. So it's just a matter of, I, I believe it should be balanced. Uh, all the time because it's a it's sort of like it's the bridge between playing a national team coming back to to get your form so that you go back to the national team and also for someone who's who hasn't played international it's a bridge to go to the national team so it's yeah it's a yeah yeah um do do you feel a bit how do you feel with the... I mean, obviously, you've already mentioned in this chat that you're very happy that the A-side is playing because uh, to a, a large extent or maybe a certain extent, there are similarities to what happened to you and your generation of players back in 2004 where you had maybe played a handful of first-class games and then because of the so-called rebel players w walking out, you were then expected to represent the national team after having just played very, very well in the Under-19 World Cup. You now had to make a huge jump and suddenly you were up against Mutai Murulithran, Tremenda Vaas. Uh, you even were up against the Australians in the one-day games. A massive adjustment. And 
And we're seeing that the current crop of youngsters are experiencing something, something very similar, whereas they play a very small amount of domestic cricket. Now, that's nobody's fault because COVID has been around and we understand all of that. So we're not blaming anybody. But I guess I'm just saying is, is there a worry in the fact that very talented youngsters uh, are not playing enough, are not necessarily finding that bridge that you speak of and are being thrust from playing a handful of domestic matches and not necessarily having the greatest averages even to suddenly be expecting to perform at the very top level. That must be a little bit of a concern for you. Yeah, yeah I understand where, how, how hard it is um, for a youngster who's, who's coming from under 19 to be push to play maybe represent the country but because um, it's the same way we 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 came through mm. um, but the good thing about this time is they get to play international with with the senior players than the time when we yeah, yeah. when we started so I think there will be a bit of help from the senior guys um, obviously it was tough uh, our first days when we, we started because it was just a bunch of uh, under-19 players that went to the World Cup. Yes, they did final uh, average, but um, we had to learn from each other in those days. So learning on the job, basically. Yes, yeah. but uh, to this time, you know, the good thing about it is the likes of uh, Brandon, uh, Sean, Craig, Raza, all those guys, uh, Chamu, senior guys, um, to help you know the youngsters that are coming in, yeah. and uh, it makes a big difference when you've got seniors, senior player that you look up to, uh, that you'll be playing along with. You will learn a lot, and and I'm sure I'm I'm hundred percent sure that they will improve much faster than what we we experienced when you started playing international cricket. How scary was that, Alti? I mean, for goodness sake, you literally just got off an aeroplane from Bangladesh where, yes, you had a good, very good under-19. I mean, obviously, beating Australia was the highlight. Yeah. You know, but you would have thought to yourself, right, well, we're going to come back, we're going to play a bit of franchise cricket, then maybe hopefully play for the A-side. And then, you know, depending on how I go, in maybe 18 months' time, if I'm consistently scoring runs and taking wickets, uh, I will be ready to now make my debut with, you know, under the guidance of the senior players, I feel quite certain Tatinda Taibu would have been the captain then regardless yeah. of what happened. I, I feel certain he would have been captaining the side. Now, suddenly, you, you had a very, very different scenario where you had to grow up and swim before you even really knew how to swim, which must have been incredibly daunting and at times even scary for you guys. Yeah, it was, it was tough, but um, maybe... Because I played my first series against Sri Lanka, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, do anything. And uh, I remember the next series straight after was Australia, where I got dropped for the first two matches. So the final match, I, I got back into the team and managed to score about seventy six, I think. That's right, seventy seven. Yeah, yeah seventy seven. <laughs> so from, I was happy. Uh, in those first eight games to have experienced the worst or the tougher uh, standard of international cricket and also to be able to, you know, to perform against one of the top sides. I think it, they were still number one at that time. Yeah. Um, to, to be able to go and perform and score some runs for the team, it, gave me confidence from from there onwards that yes I wasn't consistent but I've managed to perform so that gave me the confidence to say, to believe in myself that uh, I think I can play at this level obviously I just need to make sure that I improve uh, work on my weaknesses and you know work harder so that you know when it comes to international you need to be performing all the time um, so, yes, it was tough. It was a good challenge. I love the challenge that, you know, what you, uh, you wake up in the morning and you're looking, after, you're looking forward to the game. 
to the challenges that were ahead and you're playing against one of the best teams in the world against the best players so it's I think it was the way I took it uh, obviously I was a youngster but you know, taking the challenge to say you know what yes I'm not experienced but I'm gonna go out there and do my best yeah, and, and fight enjoy. yes and a good thing, you know, when you're a bunch of players that used to play together from under 14, uh, now playing at international, but still together, you know, there's always fun in between. Um, yeah. you, can, you always push yourselves. So I think it made us, you know, uh, work hard and, you know, push through the, the tougher times. There were more tough days than uh, the good the good days in those days but you know we enjoyed every every challenge um, yeah so was there ever a time when you thought to yourself I want to do this but I'm not ready for it yet I never thought of not saying I'm not ready for it yeah. uh, I used to believe in myself that you know if, if with what I've done before if I have cricket is still the same Yes, the standards, the levels are different, but it's up to how you take it. Are you going to stay positive? Um, are you going to work harder? And are you going to learn from your mistakes? And uh, I never doubted myself. Yes, there's time where you doubt yourself when it comes to your performance, but the ability, uh, I never doubted my ability because I, I, um, I had this... The hard to say, you know what, anything is possible as, as long as you put your mind to it. Um, yeah. I'm going to try as long as I give my 100%, as long as I back my skills, you know, what happens on the day, it, it happens. Yeah. But as long as I've, I'm confident with my preparation was the most important thing. As long as I'm happy with my preparation, then the end results will take care of on themselves. Yes. Yeah. So, and um, where, where is the opposition? I mean, admittedly, on the field, the, the, no one's ever going to be particularly kind to you. The Australians obviously were very good at what we call sledging. Mm. But afterwards, did they come and spend a bit of time with you guys and say, you know what, guys, there's a lot of potential here. Maybe you could try and, and work on this or that. Or was that... Because the Australians normally are very, very good at mixing and interacting with players after a series. Did you, did you experience any of that with any of the teams? Yeah, there were some interactions, especially when on uh, on the welcoming functions, uh, we used to mix with different teams, and and you could you know some, you get some feedbacks from there, yeah. and also there's some tours where you know change rooms we used to mix and and talk about the game and how to improve or what they thought of where we are and and stuff like that. So. It was just a learning curve, uh, you know, you never stop learning. Even now, before I, I retired, this, there was just still that uh, edge to, to learn mm -hmm. from, yeah. from the opposition and to see sometimes you learn by just watching other, how they play, how they conduct themselves when they, when they get onto the field and, and all those uh, stuff. So. Uh, as a cricketer, you, if you are willing to learn every day, if you are willing to have one percent improvement every day, you know, because cricket is evolving. Yeah. So you're gonna have to learn every day. It's and and then <clears throat> suddenly after your your baptism of fire, and if I say you, I mean the whole team, the baptism of fire to international cricket, where. As you say, things didn't necessarily always go particularly well. But uh, you then went to Bangladesh as a team. And in early 2005, which was immediately followed by a tour of South Africa. So Bangladesh back in those days weren't maybe as good as what they are now, but they were still a force to be reckoned with in Bangladesh. And you guys had so much fun. I particularly remember, I mean, Zimbabwe were in that very first test that Bangladesh won. But you picked up your Pfeiffer. And you bowled very quickly. Um, and, and just to, despite the fact that Zimbabwe were trading by nearly 400 runs, the joy 
uh, and the dance. I remember you and the team had this little dance <laughs> that you guys used to do all the time, every time you took a wicket. So very, very strong camaraderie and team spirit already. But what I'd like to focus on then, suddenly, Alti, was due to the amount of cricket that you as very youngsters were playing, practically packed in you know, one, one series after another, suddenly the injuries hit. And they hit with a vengeance. So it was yourself, Tinashe Panyangara, Ed Rainsford, a whole bunch of players that practically went down at the same time. And, and I know it affected you very, very badly. Talk us through the injury, that initial injury in 2005 after your, that spell of a bowling at 144 k's an hour at Supersport Park. Yeah. I mean, tell us about that injury because that, that, that was a setback, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was... You know, right at the peak of playing so many games and confidence was getting up uh, every every game that we were playing. And uh, I remember a series in, in Bangladesh where I performed. Uh, I thought I did well, um, even in the one-day team. Mm. Uh, and uh, straight after that, we went, we came to... Was that the one that you went to South Africa? Was yes. that the yeah, yes. yes, yeah. So, you know, it was it was a very big setback for me because uh, I, f I was feeling very confident and comfortable to play at international at uh, that time, and unfortunately, you know, the whole bowling group uh, got injured. Uh, we all had stress fractures, and. Uh, was said that you had to watch cricket from from the from from home and not do anything and just sit because I was out for a year and a half of just you know it's, it was a very frustrating time yeah. and and I think that because you know we were we were up in the media in the press boxes in the media center at Supersport Park I was on radio with a colleague by the name of Zolani Bonga and him and I were commentating together and he said uh, in comes Chikumbura and bowls to Graham Smith and Smith ducks out of the way. In fact, he was taken a bit by surprise because that last delivery was 144 kilometers an hour. And it wasn't just a once-off. You did it on a couple of occasions. And um, sharing the, comment, the, the television commentary box with, with, with Palmi and Bangwa, obviously him and I, you know, we were looking at each other with our eyes. I don't know what my eyes looked like, but he was looking at me with wide eye, eyes wide open because... Zimbabweans aren't accustomed to, to that. You know, Andy Bluchnot occasionally, Henry Alonga, uh, a younger Edo Brandis, maybe sometimes could do that. But now here's Elton Chikumbura. And we started, we became very, very excited because what we then were beginning to say was, here are similarities of a Freddie Flintoff, for example, or a Jacques Callas, or maybe an Albi Morkel. And the reason why we said that is because if you pitch the ball up, you swung the ball like Carlos or Flintoff would do. If you bowl back of a length because you're very strong on your shoulders, often you would have batsmen caught splicing the ball to gully where, you know, whoever would take the catch in the gully. When you came out to bat in the middle order, you were very composed. You never looked flustered, very much like, like Flintoff. Um, you didn't necessarily always convert the, or turn those, the starts into big scores, but we felt that that came with time. Um, I'm sure you'll be the first to admit that Although sometimes you did have some, some wonderful, wonderful scores and bowling performances, would I be right in saying that that would be one area that you would have liked to have doubled up on and, and, and just been a bit more consistent it was, is in the all-round department, you know, bowling well, consistently quick, and then scoring runs a, a bit more consistently? Yeah, definitely. It's, as a player, you want to perform uh, on both departments if you're an all-rounder. Um, so it's uh, when it comes to betting, most most of the time, yes, uh, number seven. It's you're not gonna score as many big yeah. scores, especially when it comes to one-day cricket. But maybe in the test matches, unfortunately, I didn't play as many test matches as I could have. Yeah. Uh, some obviously because of injuries, uh, but my love was mainly on the on the shorter versions, uh, 50 overs and, and... Did you prefer that? Definitely. Yeah. 
<laughs> but no, so I asked that because not necessarily because of your style of play, but was it just a was it a a style or a format that you felt more comfortable? So, for example, I've spoken to very aggressive batsmen before who said that despite the fact that they play aggressively, you know that Test cricket was the ultimate, uh, and that they always wanted to play Test cricket. So, did you? Was it just that you preferred the shorter formats as opposed to the longer formats as well? No, I, I, I loved all formats. Obviously, test matches is just to make sure that you you build on your technique and all and and your patience. And the more you do it, you know, it helps your cricket even when it comes to one day cricket. Um, but obviously, the joy was more on the on the shorter version because of the way I played my cricket. Yeah. The way I played my cricket was to take the game to the opposition uh, without any fear, was to make sure that, you know, team comes first. Uh, not to play for myself, but to make sure that, you know, at any situation, as long as there's still some balls that, to, that needs to be bowled, if I'm betting, I need to make sure I I play for the team. I put the team in a good position, um, and and m the way I played, you know, ended up making me, you know, play for other teams across. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it was just I guess it was just in me to be a positive player to to go out there and take take on the bowlers when you when I was betting and make sure that you know I change the game with them bowling or fielding so if I were to maybe ask you three because there would be quite a few memorable highlights give me three highlights that really will forever stand out in your memory representing Zimbabwe they can even be personal ones as well I wonder for example what your most favorite all-round performance was where you bowled well and batted well in the same game but uh, give me Give me three highlights. I mean, I can, for example, think of the 2007 World Cup win over Australia. I can yeah. think of the 2014 win over Australia in a 50-over game. But those are just my highlight, my my opinions. I'm wondering what your what the ones are that you really enjoyed. I I enjoyed the yes the 2020 2007 World Cup against Australia. I think the first T20 World Cup. Yeah, that's right. Uh, where I opened the bowling. And got uh, Matthew Hayden, Adam Gilchrist. So I took about three wickets and finished the game with, with Taylor, uh, chasing about 130, yeah. 130, 137, round about there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's one of them. I think my other one will be, I wasn't bowling then, but I scored my first 100 in Pakistan. Um, uh, it was at betting number four. Yeah, you know, I I challenged. It was it, it was a good challenge for myself to say from betting number seven to go up the order and bet number four, and scoring a hundred for for the team was it's something that I always you know cherish, um, and also is. Um, some performance in Bangladesh. There's a number of performances oh, yeah. <laughs> in Bangladesh. <laughs> You've been there so many times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I remember also Champions Trophy 2004 in against Sri Lanka. I think I scored about 50 something and got three three wickets. Uh, those are some of the moments that I always look back at. That, that was that was against Sri Lanka, yeah, yeah. in in England. So yes. you you top scored with a 50 unbeaten 50. Yeah. You take three wickets. I'm sure you had you were involved in a run out and you took a catch as well. Yeah. Gosh, uh, I I don't actually know if I've seen a better all-round performance by Zimbabwe at all. And and I mean that seriously. Um regardless, I mean I know Zimbabwe lost the game, but but that yeah. was very very special, I'm sure. Yeah, it was it was uh especially after uh, it made the debut against Sri Lanka previous uh, two months, uh, and and be able to have a good comeback from a bad series against Sri Lanka to to actually perform the way I did. I was quite chuffed with it, and 
It's something that I always cherish and remember. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And then you had a stint with Northamptonshire, uh, which was in 2010. You were still captaining Zimbabwe. Yeah. And the next thing, you were, you were called up to go and represent Northamptonshire at county level. Now, that must be any cricketer's dream is to play a bit of county cricket because you learn so much from different conditions, interacting with, with players, be it international or, or playing for England. Mm -hmm. How did you get the call up to go and play for Northamptonshire and what was the experience like? Um, it was mainly playing domestic, yeah. When, yeah. when Dave Alton came from England and he was coaching, he was, he was helping with the domestic cricket. Yeah. Uh, and the way I performed domestic, he, uh, he, was, he was happy with the way I was performing with the ball and the bat. And so he came to me and said, you, you're playing well, keep it up. Um, if there's any, any chance of, of, of any county looking for players, I think I'll recommend you to, you know, to, to go and play a season in England. So we went. That's when I went to West Indies, I think. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, that's right. So they kept an eye on, at me when I was when I went on tour, and they were happy with with the performance that I did in West Indies also. So that's how I got the call up. Um, and it was very, it was a very good experience, you know, and I was so happy, you know, like what you said, it's everyone's dream to, to go and play counter cricket. In those days, counter cricket was, uh, was like an IPL now. Mm, yeah. And, and uh, I was quite happy to, to go and play a season there and I, I, I took a lot you know playing in counter cricket you know uh, the way they you face different conditions and the, the way they play as many crickets uh, that is within a season is so much uh, the only way is you you know when you finish a season there, you understand your game where you are and yeah. what you need to do. So it was quite, quite uh, good for me and a boost to my career. I think going forth, uh, and uh, I really appreciate you know how I how I you know experienced mm. the the county cricket. Absolutely be a dream of mine to go and do a bit of uh, commentary in the county circuit, I can assure you. But yeah. you, you mentioned the name Dave Houghton, and I can tell you that he spoke with you with such um, respect and admiration, and, and he really felt that you were the missing link that Zimbabwe had been looking for for a long time. Was your feeling towards him the same? I mean, did he, you know, it, it seems to me that every player that he communicated with, he treated very respectfully and nicely as well yeah definitely uh we he's he's always a good guy um he's been good to me um and he's a guy who's willing and who wants the best out of a player uh selling for myself i felt that and he gave me the confidence to you know to believe in myself even more um so it was good to you know to work with him because even when I went to county, he used to come to uh, uh, to where I was and yeah. and and we would do some sessions together. And really, yeah, I would um, imagine that would mainly be batting sessions in the net as opposed to looking at bowling. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was more on the on the batting side, but uh, no, it was it was good, um, and uh, and I've learnt a lot, you know. Yeah. From, from him as well. Who, who, did you, who did you admire growing up as a cricketer? Because obviously, you know, you wouldn't have been in the privileged areas where, you know, younger kids would have had the luxury of, of satellite television or even, for example, some of the older cricketers, you know, their relatives would send them the old VHS videos from yeah. the UK where, you know, where England would be playing their test cricket or World Series cricket from Australia. You wouldn't have had any of that. So who would have been the, the cricketers that you tried to look up to and aspire to? Uh, funny enough, you 
that came a bit late. Maybe when I was now in high school, well, I had uh, the the chance to you know to watch more cricket even outside Zimbabwe. Uh, but when I started, it was just um, you know, getting the the coaching. Uh, yeah. I came up through Steve Mangongo, and it was another guy who gave who gave me lots of confidence oh, yeah. in my ability and uh, would tend me to you know to have the the base of where I became um, so I, I think at first it was just my natural way of how to play cricket obviously through being coached by him then the more I grew uh, the more I was growing up I, I I ended up, you know, watching more cricket, and um, funny enough, you spoke about Andrew Flintoff. He's the guy that I ended up watching more of. Oh, really? When it comes to international cricket, and yeah. tried by all means to uh, to see how he used to handle his uh, uh, betting when he goes to bed, how he used to handle bowling when he's when he's bowling. So it became my 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 go-to person right. to watch when this cricket I used to watch him play, and that gave me the motivation to even you know, work hard more on my on myself to become a, a better all-rounder mm-hmm. and uh, attacking all-rounder. Yeah, yeah. So true. yeah. Um, then there was also uh, Phil Simmons. Ah uh, yes. Um, he also helped me a lot to be, to be where, where I was, um, from where I was to where what I became. Mm, yeah. uh, he understood, and uh, I took a lot from him as well. Uh, yeah, the great similarities between you and Phil Simmons as well. That's it's a wonderful example that you use. I don't know whether you would have watched any old footage of him. Uh, but big, strong guy, as you know, and actually bowled very quickly. Uh, it was just that Kirtley Ambrose, Courtney Welsh, and Ian Bishop were around. So, you know, he was always kind of con- considered as a like a first change bowler. But he was he was very very quick. Yeah. Uh, he could bowl in the mid 140s with no problem and could hit the ball a country mile. Yeah. Very similar to the gentleman I'm talking to. So, <laughs> I would imagine that you would have. Did you ever watch any any of Phil Simmons's old footage when he was playing? Yeah, I did. Um... I did, and like I think that's how we got so connected together, because he used to play the, almost the same role as I I did, yeah. and you know learning from someone who have experienced those uh, those roles, uh, it's much easier, and yeah, we, you would understand uh, how hard it is to be an all round and what you need to do so that you. You try and you know improve or maintain or be at the same level at at international and um, having him close in those days uh, was a very good blessing because um, yeah. we started he came from under 19 until we I ended up playing for the national team so it, it was a good three four years together. You know, working together, and uh, it made a big difference for my, for myself. You know, do you feel he got a raw deal, LT? Because remember, we had those test matches against New Zealand. Admittedly, you were injured, so you weren't a part of that series. But you know, New Zealand completely and utterly blew Zimbabwe out of the water. But many people felt that he got a very raw deal because he was removed as as coach. Um, you know, the, obviously the board felt that perhaps maybe he wasn't the right he. A lot of people felt that he was a bit too casual in his approach and that they needed a stricter disciplinarian to deal with the youngsters. So the late Kevin Curran was then in, uh, put, into his, uh, put in, uh, was then replaced. He then replaced Phil Simmons as coach. Do you feel that, that that was slightly harsh or do you feel that maybe the time had come for someone who was a bit stricter to step in and say, right, guys, you know what, the honeymoon's over. We now really need to focus on becoming a better team. Uh, I thought... Obviously, we, people are different how they carry themselves, and um, but 
what I what I know for effect was the team was improving um, from what from where he started and where we were. Uh, the whole bunch were improving. Uh, I would have loved him to 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 stay a bit more, um, but obviously it's. Doesn't my yeah, control. no, no, of course. And you're not the only one. I can tell you that, LT. Yeah. You're not the only one. Um, I, I just briefly, I know we could talk all day and I know you've got places to go and things to things to do, but I just want to ask you about the captaincy. Did you enjoy the captaincy? You were such a difficult person to read, you know, because a lot of captains, when they get angry, they stand there, they look like a teapot with their hands on their hips or they kick the turf or, you know, they do something. But you were a very closed book. Uh, when things went wrong, you didn't really show your emotions, certainly not on the field. Uh, even when things went right, you'd see a little smile or whatever the case may be, but you wouldn't be jumping up and down. And you know, So you, you didn't wear your heart on your sleeve. Was captaincy something that you enjoyed doing? I did. Um, for myself, I love challenges. Um, I, did captain, I did enjoy captaining. Um, uh, but obviously, when when people when you don't when the team doesn't do well, uh, it's sometimes it's it's a bit tough. Uh, but I love the challenge. I love to 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 lead and make sure that you know we we became we become a a good team. So uh, f for me. I would say I enjoyed, you know, every challenge. I don't have regrets, captaining Zimbabwe. Uh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the win. Obviously, you can't enjoy the, the losses, but you know, we during those losses, we I learnt a lot from, you know, those losses, um, and you get to understand different players, especially with different results. So it was. I don't have any regrets, you know, captaining. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed every every moment of it. Uh, as a as a captain, you just need to be professional enough to, you know, to take it. Uh, obviously, there will be more criticism that will come when you become a, a captain. Yeah. You know, all the focus, all the blame, or you know, any blame that people think it sometimes is just centered on the captain, but you know, from a team perspective, I was quite comfortable and happy with the decision that I made. Uh, whether we won or we lost the game, I was I was comfortable with way because we had, would have agreed. Sometimes, obviously, the plans go the other way, but you know, um, I loved I loved the challenge. Love the challenge. Yeah, that's nice. That's that's wonderful. And then to conclude, LT, obviously Zimbabwe on the verge of a very important series against Bangladesh here in Zimbabwe. Things didn't go well for them in the test matches against Pakistan. Uh, there were a couple of disappointments as well in the series against Afghanistan in the UAE. Now, how, in your opinion, do Zimbabwe turn this around and not only be competitive against Bangladesh, who are a very good side? But hopefully, maybe try and pick up a couple of wins here in Zimbabwe. How, in your opinion, do they do they turn that around? Um, obviously, playing against Bangladesh, they are always close games most of the time, so the confidence should be up. Uh, I'm sure other senior guys will be back uh, in the team, uh, and with the combination of these youngsters who are performing these days. Um, I'm loving the way they are perform, performing consistent. So um, I think, and also playing uh, in our backyard is it's also a very big, should be a very big confident booster because you're not worried about Bangladesh wicket. So I I believe that you know first game, you know if we play our best cricket, should set us off to a good series because every time our first game we always have a chance to win the game against yeah. 
any foreign team that comes to Zimbabwe. So I think it's just a matter of having our guys ready for the matches. It's good that we're playing against South Africa now. And I'm sure there will be a couple of guys that are part of the Zime that will be playing the national team with, with, with the confidence they have now together with the senior guys who are, who are training. Uh, you know, it will be a good, uh, good combination and I've got high hopes that you know, we will start war against Bangladesh. Yes, they have done war against Sri Lanka in their backyard, but Zimbabwe is a different it's a different ball game together when it comes to the conditions and what they will face. Uh, so, yeah. Maybe a bit more something in it for the fast bowlers, not these very flat pitches that we've been playing on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think yes, you will love to have fast bowlers. There's a couple of fast bowlers that are, that are, doing, that are trying their best to yeah. bowl fast. So hopefully, you know, they will get their skills uh, on point against Bangladesh. Yes, international, you want to have fast bowlers. But at the same time, it's also about the skill, how you use your, your, your fast bowling. Do you have the control? So uh, we just need to have you know, the, that full package of fast and controlled uh, aggression at the same time. Spoken like a true all-rounder and captain. Alton Chikumbura, it has been a real pleasure and a privilege and an honor to have you on the Dean at Stumps podcast. You and I go back many, many years, and uh, it's been an absolute joy to watch you develop from a youngster, a young teenager, to a very mature player. And thank you so much for coming to spend a bit of time and have a chat. It's a bit long, apologies, but uh, uh, we had lots of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dean. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Dean at Stumps podcast. I'm Dean Duplessis. It's been a real joy uh, being with you as well. Should you ever wish to perhaps reach out and, uh, and maybe sponsor the podcast in any way, I am reachable on my Twitter handle at Dean underscore Plessis. That's P-L-E-S-S-I-S. Uh, it would be great to hear from you. And let's see how we can improve this brand, which is the Dean at Stumps podcast. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, and take care. Goodbye. You've been listening to Dean at Stumps, Zimbabwe's only weekly cricket podcast.